find in the book of John, John chapter 11. We'll begin to read in verse number 14. This morning I want to speak to you on this subject, our life in Christ. Our life in Christ. John chapter 11, we'll begin reading verse 14. I'll invite you to stand, all those that can and are able, in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's word. Well, John 11, begin to read in verse 14. The Bible says these words. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Now I'm glad for your sakes that I was not here, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come unto the world. Verse 34. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave. A stone lay against it, and he said, Take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And when he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that your spirit, God, I pray, would speak to every heart in life today. I pray for those who sit here today spiritually dead. God, I pray your spirit will convict them of that truth and they'll choose to turn from their sin and receive life that can only be found in Jesus Christ. And God, I pray you'll challenge your church today. Does our spiritual life have impact on others that cause them to turn and seek Jesus. God, you speak through the invitation, and I pray, God, you'll find obedience in our hearts and demonstrate it in our lives as we respond to what you call us to do today. It's in Christ's name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Now I invite you to be seated. In July of last year, uh, we began a study in uh, the book of John, and we've preached roughly uh, about 20 messages uh, from the book of John 
uh, so far. Remember that the entire book of John is centered around seven I am statements that Jesus makes concerning himself and seven miracles uh, that John speaks of. Uh, we've seen five, six of the miracles so far. We'll look at the seventh, and we've looked at two of the I am statements. Uh, we'll see the last miracle today and then another I am statement, both together uh, in, this, in this text. And so in text today, we're going we're to see five things I want you to notice about our life in Jesus Christ. Number one this morning, I want you to notice a serious problem. A serious problem. Look what the Bible says again in John chapter 11, uh, beginning to read in verse number 11. The Bible says, These things he, this is Jesus, said, after that he said them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him. Word had been sent to Jesus uh, that Lazarus was dying. Jesus had three very close friends in the city of Bethany. Uh, Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus. They were all three disciples and followers of Christ, and word had come to Jesus, uh, verse number 3, that the one that he loved, Lazarus, was sick. Uh, but Jesus tarried. He had ministry to do. He had a greater purpose, uh, the purpose for those who were there. But for us, 2,000 years later, we're reading this miracle today of what the Lord would do in Lazarus's life. But Lazarus was, was dead. Uh, verse 12, then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. But they were thinking physically. However, Jesus spoke of his death, uh, not that he was sleeping. But they thought that he was speaking about taking a nap, rest and sleep. But Jesus, verse number 14, said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Don't miss this point this morning. You'll miss the entire point of the message and really what Jesus was trying to teach. Lazarus' physical death, his state of being dead for four days, it's a picture spiritually of all men apart from Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 uh, and verse number 1, the Apostle Paul writing to that church at Ephesus said, those individuals who had turned and trusted Christ through that ministry there in Ephesus, he says, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Uh, that's what all people are apart from Christ. Why? Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says, By one man sin entered the world, and then death through sin. When Adam and Eve sinned, they died spiritually immediately. And every human being that was born after that, they were born physically, they had physical life, but spiritually they were dead. That's where all people stand before God. Why? Isaiah 59, verse 2. Our sin separates us from God. And friend, that's, that's a serious problem. Lazarus had a serious problem. He was, he was dead. And they were bewildered. They were brokenhearted that Jesus had not gotten there in time. It was a serious problem for Lazarus. He was, he was dead. Friend, far greater than that is not physical death, but spiritual death that man is separated from God because of their sin. And I want you to listen to me. And if a man and a woman leaves this world, separated from God in that spiritual death, they'll spend eternity in a place called hell where the fire is not quenched and the worm dieth not. Listen to what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, beginning to read in verse number 21, the first part of verse 21. It says, For since by man came death, that is, by Adam, death was passed on to all people. Listen to verse number 22, the first part. We'll, we'll look at the entirety of the verses later. It says, for as in Adam, all die. 
You know, it's such a special time when a child is born. Uh, there are many in our country that think a child is a nuisance. Uh, it's a choice. Uh, it's just a piece of tissue until they decide that it's a child. But we know the Bible teaches birth begins at conception. Life does. And so once that child is born, what a blessing it is. There is work. There's adversity. They make deposits. Uh, you have to make deposits in to them. You've got to feed them. And then they make plenty of deposits after that. You've got to clean them and care for them and help raise it. But children are a blessing. Uh, to hold a baby is just one of the most special things. But friend of a truth, when, when you go to a nursery... Uh, they're at the hospital, and you see all those little children. You need to understand that while all those children have life, and they're giving demonstration of the vital signs that they have, that they are alive, spiritually, every one of them are dead. They're dead. Those of you that work in the Awana ministry, when you sit, for, for the, those children who have not trusted Christ yet, as sweet as those little children are, and they're learning their verses, we're trying to teach them about Jesus and the life that they can have in them. Those that have never been saved, they may be alive physically, but spiritually, they're dead. It's a serious problem. It's not that a person grows to a place in their life that spiritually they become dead. All people are born spiritually dead. It's, it's a serious problem. And I want you to know something, friend. Dead's dead. There's, there are no degrees of death. There are two prior miracles that Jesus resurrected. Now, he's going to resurrect Lazarus by his word. But two other uh, miracles, Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 45, it, it speaks about a little girl uh, who had died. And she had just been dead for about an hour. And Jesus went, he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he said, you know, little darling, literally translated, little girl, Arise, and she, she just got right up. She'd only been dead one hour. Then there was another miracle. Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 17. Uh, a widow had a son, and he'd been dead for a day. And the funeral procession went by, and Jesus just interrupted the funeral procession and, and started a birthday. And that young man, he got up. So one girl had been dead for an hour, another for a day, and here's Lazarus that's been dead four days. And so there's, no, listen to me this morning, there's not death by degrees. It's not like, you know, well, well, they've just been dead for an hour. They've just been dead for, for one day. Or they've just been dead for four days. Dead is dead. And it's, it's a serious problem. And spiritually, friend, it's the worst problem that all people can face. I don't care whatever problems Lazarus had before, they were insignificant now to the fact that he was dead. It's the biggest problem he had. You know, just throwing out some, you know, maybe possibilities. Maybe his roof was leaky. You know, and he needed a new roof the day, you know, a few days before he died. He says, you know, we got a real problem. Our, 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 our roof's leaking. Well, now, friend, that leaky roof, it didn't matter because Lazarus was dead. See, the greatest problem he had was his, he was dead. Maybe he realized, you know, I don't think I have enough funds in my 401k for retirement. You know, inflation's, I'm going to have to get a second job to supplement that. that may, before he died, that might have been a problem. But now that's not a problem anymore because the most serious problem he's got is he's, he's dead. Maybe Lazarus had a, you know, a child or a family member that was giving him trouble, and he was, he's like, you know, it's really a problem. I'm going to have to sit and talk to this loved one. I'm just so consumed by this, this attitude that they've got, and it's a real problem that I'm facing. But now that really didn't matter because he was dead. The most serious problem he faced was that he was dead. If you watch the news, 
You listen to a lot of our leaders and politicians. They'll tell you, friend, the greatest problem we've got, you know, is the earth's warming. And, you know, we need to get away from fossil fuels. Or, you know, there's, there's not enough jobs for people. We know that's, you can't get people to work anymore. Uh, or really the problem, the, the real problem we have in America is we have too many laws on the books. We need less laws and less policemen. And, or really the problem is, well, there's, some people say there's, there's too many guns. We need to get, if we get rid of all the guns, then everything will be solved. And friend, on the far other side, a lot of people think, you know, well, if we get a new president and we get new leaders, well, then everything's just going to be fixed. Well, friend, listen, the real problem that faces our country is not physical problems, it's spiritual problems. Our country, for those who have never been saved, spiritually, they're dead. And so all the other problems that a person may face, they really pale in comparison if they've never been saved to the greatest problem, a serious problem, is that someone's, they're spiritually dead. And so, friend, I don't care if someone that wears a red hat is president. It's not going to fix your greatest problem if you've never been saved, and that's you're dead. You're spiritually dead. It's the greatest problem that anyone could ever face. Death. Spiritual death. I want to ask you the question today. Have you been born again? John 3, 7, Jesus spoke to a very religious man. Listen, who knew all of the Old Testament. There wasn't any part of it he wasn't fluent in. He didn't know how to teach. He didn't need to, sh to, to share what his historical, literary meanings were. Nicodemus knew. But Jesus looked at this religious man and said, You must be born again. You remember in John chapter 3, he began to speak and he began to think in physical terms. And he thought, well, man, I'm a man of, you know, somewhat, you know, average stature. How am I going to go back into my mother's womb and be reborn? He said, that's impossible. But Jesus was not speaking about the physical. He was speaking about the spiritual. He said, you have to have a spiritual birth. How does that take place? Luke 13, 3. You repent of sin and by faith you trust Jesus to be Lord of your life. Then you're born again. I'm asking you a question this morning. Have you been born again? Not have you joined the church, not have you been baptized, not are you religious, not are you a good person. Has there ever been a moment in your life where you chose to turn from sin and you trusted Christ to be Lord of your life? And listen, if He's Lord, it means that you're not. You have surrendered your life to His Lordship. You gave all of you that you knew to give. To Jesus Christ. Has there ever been that moment? My friend, if there's not, you're dead today. You're spiritually dead. And whatever problems you may face in life, whatever fiery trials and hardships you're going through, friend, none of those matter compared to the number one problem you've got, and that's you're dead. It's a serious problem. You're spiritually dead. I want to ask you, do you have a loved one that's never been born again? Parents, maybe you're here today, you've got a child that's not saved yet. Grandparents, you've got a grandchild. Aunts, uncles, you've, you've got a niece or a nephew that's not saved. You know, if you listen to the world, you know, we've got to make sure you know that their, their resume for college is padded with all these activities. We've got to make them well-rounded to make sure that, that they're set up for success in life. You know, they've got these challenges we need to make sure we check off to make sure they've got the best life that they can have. Friend, if they've never been saved, none of those things matter except for the fact they're spiritually dead.
The greatest problem they have is not any of those worldly things. It's a spiritual problem. They're dead. It's a serious problem. To die physically while still being dead spiritually is to spend an eternity separated from God in a place called hell. You need to realize that. The devil wants to cool the flames of hell. He wants to make it a pleasant place, an alternative. You know, eternity part B, where it's just not as good as heaven. You know, it's, you know those of you that like to go to the beach, you know, you're not beachfront, you're just back a couple of streets. It's just a short walk. That's all hell is. If you listen to the devil. Friend, the Bible doesn't teach that. It is a place of eternal torment and separation from the grace of God that you've experienced in this earth. And dead people go there. Spiritually dead people go to hell. It's a serious, serious problem. And Lazarus' death, it represents that. Second notice this morning, a saving plan. A saving plan. Well, Jesus, in his omniscience, he knew what was going to happen. And the Bible says in, in verse number 21, when, when, when he meets, when he finally sees Martha, as he begins to move toward Bethany, now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would, would not have would died. And, you know, you can almost see, feel her frustration. But even now, she says, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. She knew that he was a miracle worker. She had, she had faith. She says, you, you've got to have a plan for this. And verse 23, look at your Bibles. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, you know, she's thinking about the resurrection uh, for, for, for those who have trusted Christ at the rapture. She says, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And now listen to what Jesus begins to say to her. He says, I am the resurrection. See, she was still thinking physically, Lord, he's dead. And I know bodily he's going to rise at the resurrection. But Jesus is speaking for us spiritually. He said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Verse 26, and whoever lives spiritually and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And so Jesus begins to says, I've got a plan. I have a plan for Lazarus. He's going to come back physically. But friend, praise God, God had a plan for all of us who were dead spiritually that we could experience life in Him. That there could be a resurrection. That though we were born spiritually dead because Adam's death was passed on to us, Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Jesus says, I'm the resurrection. I'm the, not a resurrection. He didn't say there are multiple ways. He says, I'm the resurrection. And I'm the life. He said, there's no other way to escape your spiritual death except through me. So Lazarus had been a friend and a follower of Christ. Remember, his, his physical death is a picture of all lost souls. And his physical resurrection, we're going to see, it's a picture of all those who receive Christ's life. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 4. Paul says, or do you not know as many of us were baptized into Christ? That is, we trusted Jesus to be Lord of our life. We were baptized into his death. Listen to verse 4. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. But just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. That is, when we trust Christ for him, he died, he was buried, 
He rose again. When we trust Him to be Lord of our life spiritually, His death was our death. We were buried with Him. And then praise God at that moment, friend, we are raised to walk spiritually in newness of life. There's new life that can be found. He has a saving plan, not just for you, for all people. And so again, man's greatest problem is spiritual death. And Jesus is the answer to that problem. If you believe that this morning, say amen. He is. Friend, I'm telling you, our country, our world is so broken. There is such gross immorality. There, there is lawlessness. And the reason is because of this, friend. People are spiritually dead. And I'm telling you, friend, Christ is the only answer. He's it. He's the resurrection. He's the life. It's, it's, it's Jesus. And everyone who believes in me, though they were dead, they'll live, he says, in verse number 25. Well, what is it to believe, Romans 10, 9 and 10? Paul says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus... That is, you've turned from sin, you've chosen to turn away from your sinful life, your spiritual death, and you're turning to Jesus in saving faith. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And though he says in verse number 25, though you may die physically, you'll never die spiritually. You'll live. Friend, it's so painful when we lose a loved one. It's, it's so painful because that relationship is broken. We're not going to be able to see them, talk to them, touch them, hug them, hear them, have their presence in our lives. But if that person was saved, if that person had spiritual life in Christ, their physical body died, but their soul doesn't die, friend. It just goes to be with the Lord. That's the hope that we have. Listen, that's the joy that Zephaniah was trying to share about what's going to happen, friend, in the kingdom of God one day. Death's going to be gone and will reign in the life of Jesus Christ. What a hope. What an encouragement. Though he may die physically, spiritually, he'll live. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Don't you listen to me? It's not that a lost person one day will perish. They're already perishing. Spiritually, they're dead and they'll die for all eternity. But thanks be to God for a saving plan in Jesus Christ. Listen to what Christ says in, in Mark chapter 10 and in verse number 45. He says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. That was God's plan from the beginning. That's why Jesus came, Luke 19.10, to seek and to save that which is lost. Again, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, the, the Apostle Paul says in verse number 20, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, that is, died physically. For since by man came death, listen, by man, capital M-A-N, also came the resurrection from the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Praise His name. There's a spiritual death that we inherit, but there's a spiritual life that can only be found through Jesus Christ that we can receive. When we repent, Luke 13, 3, and by faith, 
trust Jesus to be Lord of our life. When we do that, friend, we personally then experience the life of Jesus Christ. It's not that Jesus creates in you some spiritual life that's apart from His. It's His life that lives in us. When we repent and trust Christ, He's the resurrection and He's the life. Third notice now, a sovereign plea. And so Jesus continues to move forward. They're moving to where the place that Lazarus has been buried. He's been in the tomb for four days. And look what the Bible says now in verse number 43. Now when he had said these things, he's had these conversations with Martha, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. And, you know, the Bible doesn't say whether Lazarus had a choice in this or not. It doesn't say wouldn't lend itself that it did. It's just that Jesus commanded him physically uh, to be raised from the grave. And so Lazarus experienced life at the word of Jesus. He called Lazarus from death back to life. And Lazarus was brought from death back to life. Don't miss this. At the word of Jesus. He had been in the tomb for four days, friend, dead. And he would have stayed dead if Jesus had not spoken these words. Lazarus, come forth. They, he couldn't will himself. His sisters couldn't will it to be. They couldn't pray him back. The only thing that changed the physical situation in Lazarus's life was the words of Jesus Christ. And he didn't have a choice. But listen, friend, it's not so when it comes to spiritually being born again. You have a choice whether to receive Jesus Christ or not. John chapter 6 and verse 44. Again, Jesus makes it plain, friend. Salvation is initiated by God. No one can come to me, Jesus said, unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at the last day. No person just willy-nilly decides, you know, I'll, I'll trust Christ to be Lord of my life when I want to. Friend, it doesn't work that way. God initiates. And the Bible says you need to be careful to, to seek him while he may be found. Call upon him while he may be near. Genesis 6 says, God says, my spirit will not always strive with man. And just because the Spirit of God invites you today to turn from your sin and trust Him doesn't mean that He'll do it tomorrow. There's a deadline, the Bible teaches, friend, that you can cross in your life where you won't have that opportunity. But God is the one who initiates that. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 20 teaches this, that now then we are ambassadors for Christ. Listen, that's the mission of every believer. Now, there's a truth that's going to be tied to this, to, this, to this sovereign plea. Jesus speaks to Lazarus and says, Lazarus, come forth. Don't miss that. He's physically dead, and Christ says, Lazarus, come forth. Now, listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Stay with me. Now, then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled. To God. That's the main message, friend, that we're sharing in an invitation this morning to all those who've never been saved. On behalf of God as His ambassador, He is speaking through me His Word. It's His Word, not my Word. It's not my invitation. It's His. He invites you to come out of death and to come into life. It's a sovereign plea. And God desires that of all people. Why? Because it's man's greatest need. That they pass spiritually from death to life. Church membership won't do that. Turning over a new leaf won't do that. You can be baptized every pond, creek, cove, holler from here to yonder, friend, and it won't fix it. 
The only thing, friend, that will take a person spiritually from death to life is to repent and by faith trust Christ to be reconciled to God. Why? Because our sin separates us from Him. We're spiritually dead. He offers life. He offers life. And so a choice has to be made. Someone says, well, I, I just don't think you, know, you, you can make a choice. Well, Jesus said you could. Genesis, uh, Matthew chapter 23 and verse 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, with a broken heart he cried. The, the, the one who kills the prophets, who stones those who were sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. Listen, but you were not willing. As Jesus was about to approach the cross and was ascending up to Jerusalem, and he looked, he looked over on it, he saw what was going to happen to A.D. 70 when Rome surrounded Jerusalem. And under Titus, it would be besieged. He says, you, you, you could have escaped all this, but you were not, you were not willing. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9, Peter speaks about the long-suffering nature of God. He says, the Lord is not slack concerning His promises, some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. You're still, you still sit here this morning lost in your sin. And you've, you've been confronted by loved one after loved one. People have told you they're praying for you. You've sat through invitation after invitation, white-knuckled, holding the back of the pew, just, just kicking the can, kicking the can. And you say, well, why, why is God not just giving up on me? Because He's long-suffering. He wants you to be saved. But listen to me. Don't mistake His patience for permissiveness. He wants you to be saved, but there's a deadline. His desire is this, don't miss this, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What, what does repentance mean? To have a change of mind. It's a choice. God's not going to make you turn from the direction you're going, friend. If you want to turn from your dead spiritual life to Christ, it's a choice that you've got to make to receive His life. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And as we preached before Christmas, there's three things, but two we'll focus on this morning, that you can do with the gift. You can receive it or you can reject it. No one giving a gift. If it's really a gift, just chokes you down and says, you take it, then it wasn't a gift. If someone offers you a gift, you've got a choice to make. And God offers, friend, to you through the life of His Son, the opportunity to escape hell, but to experience spiritual life in Christ, to be resurrected spiritually from the dead. But you've got to choose to receive it. You have to choose to do it. It's a choice you have to make. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord... We'll be saved. Uh, John chapter 1, Jesus spoke about, John spoke about the, the rejection of Christ among the Jews. Verse 11 says, He came into His own, and His own did not receive Him. But listen to verse 12. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe on His name. To those who received Him, who responded to His plea, to be saved. Romans 10, 13 says, friend, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Don't miss this. How, can someone, how is it someone passes from spiritual death to spiritual life? Because God has declared whoever repents and whoever calls upon Jesus Christ as Lord will be saved. Just as he said, Lazarus, 
come forth. His word brought him from death to life. Jesus says, if you call upon me, I'll bring you from death to life. It's his word that saves us. Fourth notice, though, a sanctifying profession. So Lazarus, he came forth, verse 44 says, and he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes. It was literally not to, to be disrespectful in the comparison, but it would have been like a, a 1950s horror movie when a mummy comes walking down the hallway. That's how Lazarus would have been bound somewhat in his grave clothes. There was no embalming, and so they would wrap their loved ones in cloth from head to toe. And Jesus called him out, and so now he's got life, but he's bringing something with him. He's bringing the grave clothes. And he who had died, verse 44, came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth, and Jesus began to speak. And so he has life, but he's bound. You see, he can't speak as he needs to. He can't walk yet as he needs to. He can't see yet as he really needs to. So he, he has life, but he still has something that he's got to deal with, and that's the grave clothes from the old life. You know, when, when you get saved, friend, you experience spiritual life. There, it's, you're alive or you're dead. There's no in-between. And when you pass spiritually from death to life, when you get saved, you're alive. But you've got something that you've got to deal with, and that's the old man and the old woman. You've got the past life. It could be a habit. It could be a lifestyle that you're grounded in at the moment you get saved. It could be an addiction. It could be an environment that you're growing up in that's trying to, to force some norms upon you. It could be a lot of different things. But that old life and those old grave clothes, if you will, they hinder you from being able to walk in the freedom that Jesus wants you to be able to walk in. John 10, 10, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. All right, that's spiritual life. But while here upon this earth, he wants us to have life more abundantly. What hinders that, friend, is the old you and all the things that were tied to that. And so Jesus sees Lazarus all bound up, not freely able to live in this new life that he has. And look at verse 44. Jesus says, loose him and let him go. When, when we trust Christ, again, friend, we're inst we instantly experience spiritual life, but we have these grave clothes from the old life that we have to deal with. And it's the Holy Spirit of God. Don't miss this. The best friend that you'll ever have, the one that convicted you, the one that drew you, the one that helped you to understand the gospel, that shined light on the gospel, the one that saw you born again. The one that saw the, the life of Christ come into you. You are indwelt by the Holy Spirit when you get saved. And it's the Holy Spirit of God that helps sanctify you. That word sanctify means to set apart daily for God's exclusive use. Listen to what John chapter 16 and verse 13 says. Jesus speaking about the Holy Spirit. He says, however, when He, that's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth has come, He will guide you into all truth. It's the Holy Spirit now that you have life that begins to help you grow and to develop and to have freedom over all of the past life, the things that had you bound and had you held down. There's no part of the old life, friend, that you have to be bound by. Jesus said, loose him and let him go. And if Lazarus would have carried the grave clothes with him, it would have been his own choice. 
Because Jesus gave a command to be set free from all that. And you hear this all the time, listen. Well, my mother was like that, and so that's the reason I'm like that. Or I've got the addiction gene, and that's the reason that I'm addicted to this. No, friend, the Bible says in Philippians 4.13 that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's no part of the old life that you have to be bound by. There's a, a sanctifying profession. Jesus said, loose him and let him go. And I'm telling you, friend, when you got saved, Jesus shouts from heaven, loose him and let him go. Loose her and let her go. He wants you to experience the abundant life. Is he not, listen, not as you live for Jesus, but as he lives through you. You're just the vessel that he lives through. John 8 and verse 36, whom the Son is made free, he is free indeed. Now listen fifth this morning, a showing proof. A showing proof. You know, their, their evidence is a physical life. You know, we call them vital signs. You know, when you, once you get the, you know, the hang of the, uh, the routine, you're not excited about it anymore. But, you know, it used to be that you went to the doctor and they just called you back to, to the doctor's room. But now, you know, you'll be sitting in a room full of people and they're hacking and gagging and they've got buckets in the floor and you're just like, Lord, I hope I don't leave more sick than I was with that. I just want to, I want to leave with what I brought and go home and lose what I brought. And, but all of a sudden they'll say, Mr. Mr. Chandler. And you're like, oh, finally, a room. Well, it's not a room. They're just taking you around the corner. And they're going to check your oxygen. They're going to check your blood pressure. And then they want to ask you, while you're there, they're, they're checking your vital signs. They're, they're trying to see, you know, well, how alive are you or how close to death are you? There's, there's vital signs. We're, we're, you check for a pulse to see if someone has life. Well, likewise, friend, there are evidences of spiritual life. One of the telling signs that someone has truly passed from death to life, listen, is change. It's change. All of Lazarus' friends... Before Jesus got to Bethany, the last thing they saw of Lazarus was he was dead and bound in grave clothes. Don't miss that. And they saw the stone roll over the grave. That's the last, that's the last knowledge they had of him. So how's Lazarus? Well, he's dead. No one, you know, a few days later than you said, well, I wonder how Lazarus is doing today. What do you mean how's he doing? He's dead. But now all of a sudden, verse 43, he comes forth. Verse 44, he's been set free. He's no longer bound by the grave clothes. Look into chapter 12 and verse number 10. Now, the miracle of Lazarus, it stirred the Pharisees and Sadducees up because they knew it was going to cause people to turn from Judaism and turn to Christ. But don't miss what verse 10 says. But the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death also. They wanted to kill Jesus, verse 9. We got to get rid of him. But we need to get rid of Lazarus too. Why get rid of Lazarus? He's just a man. He's just flesh and blood. Why? Listen, because he's a living testimony of the power of Christ. That Jesus can change a life. Only Jesus can take a person from death and bring them to a place of life and vigor. And friend, listen to me this morning. I'm telling you, your spiritual life can have impact to the positive or the negative. When you are saved 
and you begin to grow in Christ, and you, you allow the Holy Spirit to cut the grave clothes off, and you just want to get closer to Jesus, and grow in Jesus, and love Jesus more, and discover His will, and discover His spiritual gift, and the old things of the old life you don't want anymore, you just keep trying to get closer, and closer, and closer to Jesus. All the people that knew you before you got saved, they're going to look at who you are now, and they're going to say, there's something different about them. There's something different. Everybody that looked at Lazarus now said there's something different. The Lazarus we knew before was bound in grave clothes and dead. And the Lazarus we know now, he's walking around telling everybody about Jesus Christ. See, friend, it's, it's the showing evidence. When you've really got spiritual life, there's going to be spiritual change. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. You're different. You're different. There's, there's, there's visible evidence that Christ lives in your life. And that's a question this morning just to ask. Can others truly see the life of Christ in me? And that's a good place to begin our invitation this morning. Can others truly see the life of Christ in me? But friend, what really matters is this. Not can others see it. Listen. But does God see it? Is it a reality? Has there ever really been a moment where I pass from spiritual death to spiritual life? And friend, if you haven't, listen to me. Don't harden your heart. Don't stiffen your neck. While the Spirit of God is tenderly calling you today, choose to turn from your sin and experience life that can only be found through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Friend, it is a simple yes or no. You have either been born again or you have not. And if you've never turned from sin and trusted Christ, friend, I implore you today, I beg you, choose to repent of your sin and choose to trust Christ to be Lord of your life. Give all of you that you know to give to Him today. And He promises whoever calls upon Him, He will save. And he will put your, his spiritual life in you. And you will pass spiritually from death to life. It's a choice you've got to make. God won't make it for you. Do you have spiritual life? You don't? Choose him right now. Simply in the quietness of your heart. Tell him your desire to, to be saved from sin's penalty. And that you want his life to reign and live in you. Tell him just like this. God, forgive me a sinner. I believe you died. Jesus, I believe you rose again. And I hear your spirit speaking to my heart now. Your word resonates to me. You're calling me from death to life. And that's what I want today. I turn from sin. I trust Jesus to be Lord of my life. Christ, I'm giving all I know of me to give to you. And now, God, I pray you'll take the grave clothes of the old life off and help make me into the man or woman that you want me to be. That's my prayer. Did you pray that prayer? Did you mean?